I believe I read in the bulletin that the children for junior uh, worship are invited to leave uh, prior to the message, so if that happens to be one of you, I guess you know what to do with that. This morning we turn in God's Word to Genesis chapter 18, reading verses 1 through 15. In this passage, we read the story of what I consider one of the first fellowship meals, and we'll be thinking about that as we continue to meditate upon it. Beginning at verse 1, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick! Three seals of fine flour, knead it, and make, make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. This is God's word for us this morning. I, for one, enjoy fellowship meals. Our church had a fellowship meal just last Sunday. It was great. We had tables of food, had all kinds of fruits and vegetables. We had salads. We had potatoes. We had four different kinds of meat dishes to choose from. It was great. Then when you get done with all that, you have a whole table of homemade desserts to choose from as well. No one can go away empty. There's always more than enough. There's also another kind of fellowship meal which we in church participate in from time to time, and I see that you will be doing it next week with communion. 
In that meal, we sit down together in the presence of the Lord and receive from him a reminder of his love and his faithfulness. I see that in this uh, passage before us, and this morning I want to think about uh, what is going on here from the perspective of what God is doing. I want to think about how he works to assure Abraham and Sarah and us of his love and his fellowship. We're going to notice that God arrives at Abraham's tent, that God accepts Abraham's hospitality, and that God affirms not Abraham's faith, but his intention in regard to a son. We're told that the Lord appeared to Abraham as a stranger in flesh and blood. And that's important, I think, for us to think about in terms of the relationship that God is establishing and and building with Abraham and Sarah. Up until this point, he's um, come to visit Abraham on a number of occasions. Originally, we hear that God called Abraham out of of, uh, the Chaldeans, out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to come to the land of Canaan. Don't know how that happened, but it happened. And so Abraham and Sarah and, and, their fa- and all of their household moved from Chaldea to Canaan and lived there for many years. We read about how God comes uh, to uh, establish a covenant with Abraham and to assure him that the blessing that he intends is still coming. In Genesis 12, we hear about God saying to Abraham, if you go, when you go to this place where I'm sending you, I will make you a blessing. Nations will be blessed by you and you will be a blessing. In chapter 15, we hear about God coming back. And Abraham is, is listening to God as he again uh, reiterates that promise. And he says to God, you know, you keep promising that We're going to be a blessing, but we don't have a son. My my servant is going to inherit all of that all that you have given to me. Is he going to be the one that you are going to use is kind of the the question there. And God says, No, you're you are going to have a son. And Abraham believes that. Sometime later God comes again after uh, Ishmael is born. Abraham and Sarah are getting a little impatient, so they come up with a plan, at least that that Abraham will have a son, even if it's not from Sarah. And God comes again and blesses Abraham. And Abraham says, so it's going to be Ishmael this time? It says this time, so it's going to be Ishmael? And God says, no. It's going to be a son to Sarah, but... At that time, God also uh, affirmed a covenant with Abraham by appearing as a, fu- a fire pot, going through uh, the, the halves of animals. Here he comes, not as the Lord of heaven and earth so much, as a picture of friendship in the flesh. He comes to Abraham. And he 
waits for time to spend with his friend. We're told as the story progresses that uh, God is on a mission, that, that he is going to, to Sodom and Gomorrah uh, to see what's going on there. And so he decides that this is a good time to stop in on his friend Abraham along the way. And so he comes as a person to his friend. We think about what Jesus does, what we hear about in um, Philippians 2, for example. We are to have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself, became one of us. We think about what John says about Jesus in the first chapter of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He took upon himself our flesh and blood and dwelt for a while among us. Think about that as a continuation of what we are reading about here. God is intent upon letting us know how much he desires and loves our fellowship. He wants us to know that he knows us and that he wants us to be part of his world. It is the same with Jesus coming into the world as well. I think about that, and as a follower of Jesus, Jesus says that uh, we are his friends because we know what his business is about. As a follower of Jesus, how do we experience that today? Of course, we experience it as we gather as his people here to celebrate what God has done in Christ, to celebrate the relationship that he has established with us. And so we celebrate that, but at the same time we think about, okay, we ought to think about, okay, so how do I share that friendship with others? Not just here in church, but in, my, in our individual lives. How do we react? How do we share the love of God in a way that people realize that God wants them to know that he cares about them? Something to think about. God arrives as a friend. And as a friend, he accepts Abraham's fellowship. Abraham goes and invites them to, to sit down to rest a while and to have a meal with him. And, and he goes to Sarah and says, quick, make your best bread. He goes to uh, the fields, grabs a the best lamp or best calf available and has it prepared and he brings it and they eat and it would be easy to see this and think about how we ought to do the same. How we ought to be willing and and ready to serve others. Kind of like the saying goes that, you know, serve others because you don't really know when you might be serving angels. I suppose you can make the case from here, but I think that the uh, thing to realize is, again, what God is doing. God is saying, hey, I'm here. I want to have fellowship with you. Jesus, when he has ascended into heaven, says the same thing. In Revelation chapter 3, he says to the churches and to us, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door, I will come in and I will have fellowship with you.
Jesus also says on the night uh, that he is betrayed that, that you are my friends, speaking to his disciples, to, to the church, you are my friends because you know my father's business. And again, he invites us to have fellowship. And think about the ministry of Jesus, what that looked like. He was indeed willing to go where he was invited. He didn't think about who it was that he was going to to be interacting with or, or what others might think about that. He went. From the wedding at Cana to the woman in Samaria, he knocked at her door and she opened it and it changed her life. He calls Levi. Levi has a bunch of friends that he wants to meet Jesus who probably were not the people that the religious people would uh, appreciate. In fact, they challenged Jesus' disciples, why does he go to eat with sinners? It did not matter. Jesus went where he was invited he knocked and he was invited. Same with Zacchaeus. I need to go to your house. I need you to spend time with me, to let you know that in spite of what everybody else might think, you are important to me. Again, we think about how does that look in our lives? I have a hard time being that kind of person. As an introvert, it's really difficult after spending a day with uh, all kinds of people to uh, think about trying to intentionally uh, spend time with more, to enter into fellowship. But if you think about it, that is the way in which we as God's people let others know, regardless of their standing in society, regardless of their need, or their felt need, that God is concerned about them. As followers of Jesus Christ, as people who know his, father, his business, who are concerned about helping others to realize the goodness of what we have received from him, we need to be open to his promptings to help others to see what we see, to experience what we experience. And oftentimes that's done through spending time with them. So God arrives at the uh, tent to Abraham and he accepts Abraham's hospitality. He also affirms his intention. Again, it would be easy to say he affirms Abraham's faith. I think it's more than that, especially for us to help us to understand and to rejoice in God's goodness. We've already mentioned how uh, throughout the course of uh, Abraham and God's conversations, Abraham has been talking about this this need that he and, uh, and Sarah have been experiencing and how frustrating it has been for them about this child that God had promised, the seed that would come not just through Abraham, but also through Sarah. 
And God comes and again, he affirms that this will take place. Through all of these years of waiting, Abraham and Sarah's faith has been waning and waxing and and growing and still struggling. And perhaps we could say that that's true for us as well, no matter how long we have been um, followers of Jesus Christ. There are times when we start to wonder, will this ever take place? God says to them, my intention is still that you will have a child. In fact, I'm putting a deadline on it. It will happen at this time next year. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In John 15, I believe, Jesus talks about Uh, the fact that he is going away. And he says, it's good for you that I go away, for if I go away, I am going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house there are many rooms, and I will prepare a place for you so so that I will come back to take you to be where I am. And on that night, he offered his own version of a fellowship meal. Eat this bread, drink this cup. Do it in remembrance of me. And in some of our forms we have added, until he comes again. It's his way of saying to us, I will do what I have intended. All that I have done is is leading up to what the Father and the Spirit and I have had in mind all along. We will take you to be with us. Revelation even gives us the impression it may be that they will come and live with us in the new heaven and the new earth. The important thing is God brings us to be with him. Righteous and holy takes on the responsibility of us being unrighteous, unholy, still finding a way to fix that that gap, and to have fellowship with us. It's a reminder to us, then, that whatever we are struggling with, whatever we have been bringing to God and still not seeming to get the answer that we want, that we can trust that he is working that out. That he is the God who loves and cares for us and works things out for our good, ultimately that we might have fellowship with him forever. We love fellowship meals now. The Lamb of God is preparing a feast for us. It won't be a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice. It will be a massive feast, a massive celebration pictured as the wedding of the bride and of the Lamb and His bride in Revelation and in Scripture. He has entered into fellowship with us already now in anticipation of that day. You'll be celebrating communion next week. So will we uh, in Ellsworth, uh, actually. It is God's reminder of 
that he has fellowship with us. It is God's reminder that his intention is not finished with us. In fact, it's his reminder that it's really just beginning. And the best is yet to come. Sarah laughed at the news that she would have a, have a son, finally, in her old age. For years, the church has been waiting for that day. And from time to time, the feeling has waned. Yet God continues to faithfully, through you and me today, say to the world and to his people, it's still coming. My intention is still in place. It will happen. And we will rejoice and laugh. Even as Sarah and Abraham laughed a year later when Isaac was born. This is God's word for us. This is good news for us this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, you have been merciful to us. We've celebrated that in, in our worship this morning. You continue to be merciful to us, but more than that, you love us. And you are intent upon bringing us to yourself. We look forward to that day. We look forward to the celebration that will take place when all that you have planned for us will be finally ours to experience. Thank you, Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you are continuing in the mission that you intended for us. That in Jesus' death and resurrection, in the assurance of the Spirit, you have found a way to bring us unholy and unrighteous as we are into your holy presence. And so we rejoice in this good news. Lord, help us also to find ways to share that good news with others. Make our hearts and our eyes and our ears open to the promptings that you give to us to minister to others, to share your love as you have blessed us, that we may bless others in your name. We thank you that you give us opportunities like uh, supporting missionaries and uh, supporting um, work in various places and in the ministry of this church. We give you thanks and we pray that you will be pleased to use us to encourage others. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.